Hey there, friends. Welcome to the podcast. This is Brian Del Turco with Jesus Smart, the podcast. And today we're continuing our discussion with Adam Carver. He's a business person and a pastor from the United Kingdom. And I really feel that the, uh, I feel like the Lord has given him, helped him to carve out an understanding and practice in maybe a lost art in kingdom living, lamenting the power of lamenting to release us from the past release us from loops that we're stuck in and open up new seasons, new spaces, a new spaciousness, new horizons. How can we fully optimize the lamenting process? Can we learn from the experience of the Israelites who were taken into captivity by the Babylonians? I think we can. We can overlay their experience, the principles of their experience and how God worked with them over our personal context. Welcome, friends, to episode 257 of Jesus Smart, the podcast. You can see the show notes page, links to take things a little further at jesusmart.com slash 257. Again, this is part two of our conversation. I encourage you to go back and listen to the first part, episode 256 as well. And I think you're going to benefit from it. I know you are. And if we move on these kingdom principles especially some of these deeper life kingdom principles, the dividends are well worth the application. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus knows how things work best in our lives, and he's passionate about developing his followers as intimate friends and co-agents in his kingdom. And I think that one of his um, one of his modus operandi, one of his ways that he works with us is through this this concept, this dynamic of lamenting. Let's get right to it. I'll be back at the end with a few comments and a 60-second prayer. You know, in truth, I think, I don't know about about you in, in the West, but in, in, in the States, but certainly in the UK, we live in this culture of denial that doesn't know how to express an honest response to what we're experiencing. Hmm. Uh, we just live in a culture of denial mm-hmm. where we don't actually say it. You know, we say hello to everybody at church. How are you doing? I'm fine. Oh, one person said to me, so so, so which of fearful, insecure, neurotic, and something else are you then? Like, as a, I was like, I like that. I can't remember what he was, but it was fantastic. I'm like, let yeah, me, that's, let that's me one up right. you there, man. Let me, I, I, I can beat that, Ooh. you know. <laughs> but it's, it's important, you say, to really be able to name the pain that we're in, to, to, to like confess it, to, to speak it out, to articulate it. You know, lamenting is not about learning to cry more or, or really grieving or giving expression. It's bigger than that. Uh, Kathleen O'Connor says this, Lamentation names what is wrong and out of ordering God's good world. What keeps humans from thriving in all their creative potentials? Mm. Simple acts of lament expose these conditions, name them, open them to grief and anger, and make them visible for remedy. Uh. And I think that's the key. It makes them visible for remedy because of course, you can't fix it until it's first made visible. Yeah. So until 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 it's made visible, until it's in the light, let's use that language. Bring it in the light. God can't be in it. Yeah. Yeah. So and of course, you you know, he lives in the light, and we confess it and bring it to light. But it's the same with our pain and our grief and our loss and our sadness and our disappointment and our heartache. Well, when we bring it in the light, then he can do something with it. Sure. And of course, he knows about it, but he knows about our sin as well. So, so I think for me, you know, we, we could. You know, the, the first step really is to admit you've been wounded and that the wound hurts. Yeah. And that that's okay. Yeah. How 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 important are words then when we lament? We need to name it, and that takes like some type of language to do that, right? To to speak it out. 
Um, or maybe there's other mediums that people use. Yeah, they might use art or some other yeah. expressions. But lamentation, as you say, is full of uh, metaphors, symbols, pictures. Um, in some sense, the language of the Holy Spirit can be very pictorial and image-based. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think, you know, I mean, you, you can read in Chronicles the fall of Jerusalem and the fall of the temple. You can read it. And, and, you know, Chronicles will tell you things like, well, in this year when this guy was king, this happened, blah, blah, blah. And you get these facts. But actually, you get to Lamentations, it's all metaphor, it's all picture, it's all image. You don't get a factual report. Yeah, um, it's a motive. You know, so I, I, I could tell you about the things that I've lost, and I could tell you about them factually, but it would have no emotion with it. It would have no feeling. It's just fact. And that is fact, but that's not, that's my mind telling you what's going on. But mm-hmm. my heart feels some things about those facts. Uh, and so I suppose to lament is to share how you feel, how you responded, and that's not really possible using logic and reason and facts, because I think when you suffer anywhere, literal language fails you. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, we talk about, I had my heart ripped out, I was kicked in the stomach, I was stabbed in the back. These are all metaphors for what it means to be wounded. So we, yeah. we're used to speaking in metaphor, we just don't realize it. That we use all those, you know, I've never actually had somebody put a knife in my back, but I've, I have felt like I've been stabbed in the back. I've never actually had somebody, can I cut my heart off and rip it out? But but there's been times it's felt like somebody's done that to me. And so, that, so I don't think, I don't think literal language kind of works. Now, yeah, somebody said to me during lockdown, you know, I feel like a caged bird that can't fly. And you go, yeah, that, and it, of course it doesn't make, you're not a caged bird, but instantly you go, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. I know what that means. I know what that feels like when I've I've not been able to leave my house for however long and all that sort of thing. So I think I think metaphor is is really important and and it's vital we just find a way to I, I suppose we could say lamenting and the skill of lamenting is is not analysis but expression. Expression. We're not analyzing it, we're just expressing it. Yeah. Right. Because again, analysis, well that goes on in your mind. And there's a place for it, but but you can analyze it and you can learn from it and that's all helpful. But actually to lament is to express it. And like you say, whether that's dance, I tell you, art, I, I, poetry, I, words, talking. Yeah. I hope this doesn't sound like to somebody heretical or something, but I think God laments. I mean, he seems to use language like this in the prophets, like, you know, like, yeah. like my wife has left me, you know, that's loss. Yeah. When Israel is adulterous. Yeah. God is feeling violated. He's feeling like the fidelity in that covenant relationship has been breached. And he's 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 letting us know about it, you know? He 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 expresses anger. He expresses anger. I mean yeah. um you know, and, and he and he uses metaphor to do it and he's emotive and I, I you know, I think that God must be pained about this creation groaning, waiting to be set free. Yes. You know, which, I'm sure. you know, he, he I'm sure. it must cause him pain. Perhaps there's, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, like Adam, where are you? I hear pain in that question. I, you know, I hear a disconnect yeah, that's absolutely. there and I hear almost a, um, a desperation of wanting yeah. to be reconnected. And, you know, when it says the son of man came to seek and save the lost, I think it might be alluding to that. I think that God laments. I think he does. Is 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 that too much to say? I mean, if you you see the prophets, what's he doing? He's expressed, particularly some of the minor prophets. You see him really expressing himself. 
you know, look, this is causing me pain. It's grief. I, I'm, I'm sad because I want to be with you. It's all from his heart of restoration. And, and I, I agree, you know, that cry, where are you? I, you know, where, where I see it as a father who's lost his child. And I, I once did lose my child for a little while, a few, you know, when, when they were little, like you, I think he was five. And I'm, I'm roaming these streets going, Josh, where are you? I'm like, there's, there's, there's emotion in my voice. There's a desperation at seeing him again. There's a, and I, I hear God say that question like that, like a dad who's going, where is my son? I don't know where he is. I can't find him. Is he all right? Is he safe? I want to be with him. I want to wrap him up in my arms and tell him it's all going to be okay. That's how I hear that question. And I, and I think that's, for me, that again, that's, that's my understanding of God and, and my, how I relate to him. But I, I find it there and I think it's a, it's a beautiful, sure. a beautiful place. Well, I think as well, just before we, we, we move on, because I think there's also time for, for a lack of words, but, but while we're still on words, I think in the expression of it as well, we have to be real about where we see God in it because just because he is in it. Because he's, you know, in him we live and move and have our being. So, so he is in it. He is there. But, but, but it's also good to express how we perhaps see him in it in that moment and be real about that. He's not going to be upset about it. He's big enough to take it. He can handle it. Um, but I think otherwise we're denying a reality. I think sometimes, you know, of course we know he's there, but sometimes it feels like he's not. And I mean, you only have to read the Psalms, don't you, to realize that David did exactly the same. Sure. Of course, sure. He, he comes round in the end and goes, but, you know, wh- wherever, wherever I am, you're there. But he's going, God, where have you gone? What's going on? What's happened? I mean, I think a lot of the Psalms are laments as well. Oh, they are. They, they really are. Like, God, what, what's going on? What's happening? You can go all through the Psalms and go, well, you know, David was a brilliant lamenter. Yeah. And, and as we'll see in this process, you can come round at the end to go, okay, you know, you know, and he had a lot to lament about as well. So, to me, the idea that, and I don't really understand why, why we don't talk about it more, because I'm like, okay, there's this book of Lamentations that's like, there's a whole book entitled Lament. Um, and then there's half the Psalms that are all about David going, God, yeah, this yeah. is horrible. I feel like you've left me. I feel like you've gone. Nobody loves me anymore. Nobody likes me. Like, and then, of course, he goes, but I know you're there, really. And, yeah, absolutely. It seems usually at the end of a psalm like that, that he, he resolves it. He comes back around and he comes back and resolves it. Sometimes the psalm is left inconclusive. <laughs> it doesn't, there's not this clear yeah. resolution to it in that given psalm. But yeah, the psalms are sort of this kaleidoscope of the human condition and the human re- interaction with God. And dozens and dozens of the, of the 150 psalms are psalms of lament. So that should tell us that this is a condition of the human experience, and it's, I mean, we could pray those words, can't we, uh, Adam? I mean, can't we take that, those words of David or whoever wrote a given lament psalm and pray them back to God and use them as language to, to uh, express our own condition? Absolutely. So what about silence? You and, and you talk about helping to support others who lament and the need for silence sometimes. What what um what are you saying there? Well I think so. I think I mean it's fascinating again if you know, you, you flick through the first chapter of Lamentations and you know, um verse nine, look Lord on my affliction for the enemy is triumph. Verse eleven, look Lord and consider for I am despised. Uh verse twelve, is it nothing to you all who pass by? Look around and See verse twenty. See, Lord, how distressed they are. And there's at first the and and it's um, it, lamentations is like a narrator and a woman. There's these different voices that come through. But but at first she's silent, and then she's like, look, and then she's like, look, and then she pauses it all out. I 
I think there's something really clever in this poem about how lamenting works and the process of it because, because of course, shock's a reality. And when you're in shock, while you have is silence, you realize that in, in the grieving process, that you know, the first thing is shock and you can't, uh, you don't feel anything, you feel numb and you can't really say anything or, or, or receive anything. That's part of how we're built to, to kind of do it. But you do want somebody to see and acknowledge it, you do want somebody to be with you in it. And often I think silence can be an appropriate response to pain. I don't, I don't mean, and I mean with our words, but actually our presence can be really powerful. Yeah. I mean, that the Jewish uh, people have this tremendous tradition called sitting Shiva. I don't know whether you've heard of it, but they, um, when somebody's gone through a loss, they will sit Shiva, which basically means I'll come round to your house and I'll sit with you and I'll be with you. But that's all of it. Mm. I won't say any words. I'll just be with you. I, I'll just be there. And I, um, I, I'm um, the Billy Graham organization, they are, their rapid response teams, I know one of their chaplains, and they talk about the ministry of presence and just being there with somebody and the power of being present with somebody without having to fix it. Because a lot of the time, we, you know, we, we love to fix things, don't we? All of us love to fix things and we sure want do. things fixed. And p- perhaps it's a little bit of a male trait sometimes. Yeah, I, think well. it is. I don't want to be too generic these days but i, I think generally it can be a little bit of a male trip but <laughs> i don't think um, our wives appreciate but, it too much to be honest with you but <laughs> <laughs> um but but generally we want to you know we want to go in and fix it and and across a lot of the time there is a there's a time for that and a place for that but actually there's a time where we just need to be with people and not fix it just be with them and i think you know, there's a lot of traditions that come out of the jewish faith that are just of course they're all deeply rooted in scripture and and they start sitting cheaper together. I go, I like that. I like this idea that it was interesting. One of the, when my first wife passed away, um, one of the things that happened was we had a rotor of men who would, four or five guys who would come and they were on a rotor to just sit with me on an evening and they'd just be with me. And we'd do whatever I wanted to do, whether that was sit and watch TV together, or whether it was talk, or whether it was go out somewhere or whatever. And, and yeah, sometimes we'd wow. just sit and would not say anything together. Yeah. But their very presence, just reassured me absolutely and sometimes they'd just hold me and i'd cry or whatever else and, and so i think we shouldn't you know when we're helping other people we shouldn't be afraid of silence um although most people are that's why they talk a lot but but i, I think often you know sometimes we want to fix it before it can be fixed there's a there's a period when people are not we're not ready for yeah words, but we are ready for presence ready for presence um, yeah yeah I, I think yeah. it's yeah yeah and, and maybe a Maybe a correct response is not is not words and gone. Yeah, well, I mean, you have a good phrase: uh, solidarity before solution. That's a good phrase. Yeah, I think so. I think there's something about just being with somebody before we start to try and fix it um, that's really powerful. And I think that that idea of being together in solidarity is, I think it's powerful. I think we we know it when we're the one that's grieving, when we're the one that's struggling. But we seem to forget it when we're with somebody. And I think it can be hugely helpful to just understand, no, no, just just be with them, mm-hmm. you know, just be with them in it and let them know you love them in it. Now, what about the hope of a restart? Because it seems that obviously the prophets and Lamentations and Jeremiah talks about it a lot. Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations in his other book, Jeremiah, he talks about, you know, the restart, the restoration, the repossession of the land, the remnant would return. And things would be rebuilt. So really, through our lamentation, we should be looking for that horizon of hope, right? We should be looking for some new, yeah. fresh restart and reboot. And 
if I want to say that if we know anything about God's nature, that it restoration tends to be more than it was before or something new and fresh that we weren't expecting, which ends up being beautiful. Um, what do you what do you think about that? I think the whole for me, learning to lament is learning to heal our internal wounds. That, that's really what I'm talking about. It, it's a skill to learn how to allow Jesus to heal those wounds in our heart. And I, you know, I, I think if we saw our hearts like we saw our bodies, we'd be rushing to the to, to the emergency room pretty quickly. Oh yeah. You know, if we saw the actual wounds on our souls, yep. We but but we kind of because we don't see it. You know, if we had a broken leg and a broken arm and you know, a few broken ribs and, you know, blood gushing out somewhere. We, we've got the emergency straight away. But most of our hearts are like that. But because we don't see it, we just kind of soldier on and we don't talk about it. But actually, I, I've known a Jesus and I know a Jesus who actually can heal our hearts. Um, but it starts by going through this process. And there's a beautiful um, thought in, in Lamentations. Um, and of course, the picture of, often of, Israel is is one where she has prostituted herself when she's left God and all these things have happened. But but actually, there's an incredible uh, verse in chapter 2 and verse 13 that says this, What can I say for you? With what can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you that I may come for you? Virgin daughter Zion. Mm. Which is a huge, incredible metaphor for going, hey, Yes, you were dirty. You were used. You were you 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 were, you were kind of prostituted yourself almost. Is, is some of the language, isn't it, in the Old Testament? But actually, here it, it's like suddenly there's no virgin daughters, and you are restored back to your original. And I suppose really uh, earlier the the, the the writer kind of stands in judgment, declaring that she's that Israel's getting everything she deserves. But now he says, okay, no virgin daughters, I am. There's a pivot there. So somebody who was effectively that, yeah, the metaphor is you've committed adultery, and now it's like, no, now you're a virgin daughter. There's the restoration. And I suppose essentially, he says, yeah. even though you've got it all wrong, yeah, I don't see you as unclean. I see you as clean. I don't see you as defiled. I see you as pure. I don't see you've done wrong. I see you as you are. And and I kind of, it's like, okay, yeah, your past is your past. We, we can't deny that, but we can transcend it. We can find healing in it. Amen. We can start again. Yeah, yeah. We can be cleansed and made right and start again. That, that, that pain and trauma doesn't have to be the last word about you because Jesus always has yes. a better word. And that, for me, is why these poems have endured two and a half thousand years because we're still asking those same questions. We're still asking those same questions. Does, does my past define me? Does what I've been through mean that I'm forever broken? Does it mean that this can't happen? Does it mean that that can't happen? And I think this pivot here is like, no, knowing Jesus is always restoration. There's always breakthrough. There's always a better word because Jesus' blood speaks a better word. And for that, I think is is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I, I love that pivot. I love is. the way that that it's changes. Dynamic. I, think it's, I think it's gorgeous. It is. It's gorgeous and it's powerful and it's filled with hope. And you know, lamenting looks back. Lamenting certainly looks at the present wretched condition <laughs> and acknowledges it. But if we have to, we we can't stop there. We got to look forward into that restoration, that horizon of hope. And I love that that change of imagery from what was it a change from the widow, and what were some of the other? What does does Jeremiah use the imagery of a of a harlot in Lamentations as well? I yeah, can't... so well, it talks about how like a, you know verse one how like a widow is she she was a queen who's become a slave and a slave. Um, there's all all these instead of the beautiful yeah, favored daughter of Zion again, metaphors. Yeah, 
But it's interesting, you know, so, so chapter one over six is all her splendor is departed from daughter Zion. But now she's virgin daughter Zion. There's this, so it's daughter Zion, daughter Zion. And then it's like, okay, no, 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 there's a returning. There's a coming back. This is, these are the patterns you have to see, you know, when you read something like the Book of Lamentations and you got to draw on these patterns, draw on these precedences and pull it into your own heart with faith and sort of overlay it over your own context. This is how you can beautifully use yeah. scripture. You can use it as a dynamic overlay over your situation, understanding this is how God works. Because let's be honest, the whole thing with Judah being taken off into captivity and all of this lamentation and the whole book, of, it, this was all self-induced. <laughs> God told them back in like absolutely. Deuteronomy, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. If, absolutely. if you give your, yeah. you know, if you do these things, if you bow down to idols, you give your children to demons, if you, if you marry, intermarry, if you don't yeah. fully possess the land, this is what is going to happen to you at some point. And it happened. So it was self-inflicted. So even our own lamentation over issues that we brought up on ourselves by really poor decisions or really carnal living or whatever it could be, there's still hope. And you confess, you lament. This is what you're saying, right? Yeah. And you look Always. to the horizon. You look Always. to the horizon. This is beautiful. Yeah. And it, it you know, let, let me ask you an honest question. Adam, is there some sense in which there are some things we may never get into or never be released from or never enter a new season of restoration if we don't lament and do this interior work and come clean on it. You know, is there some sense of that? I, I want to say that there is. There, there there could be some things that we may never well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of see it like this. You know, it's a bit like your heart has some some shelves on it. Literally, it's like a it's like got shelves all in it. And and every time we we go through something, the weight of it sits on the shelf of our heart, and it feels heavy. And of course, it's the the reality is whether we're aware of it or not, it's there. You know, whether we deny it or accept it, it exists because we've gone through life, and life gets heavy. And I think that um, what I see is that if we really want to experience joy then you can't experience joy if you're going to carry around all this heaviness. Right. It's just an impossibility to experience yeah. joy and lightness and fun. And of course, what I see time and time again is people who don't deal with it. You know, let, let's say their relationship breaks down and that causes them a great deal of pain. And not because, you know, and of course, in any relationship breakdown, it's, it's never 100% one person. There's always a, a bit for both people. Generally, it's very rarely that one person is 100% responsible. Um, but let's say somebody left you, uh, whether it's a friend or a spouse or, or, or a child or whatever. Okay. Well, you bear the pain of that. Now, if you don't deal with that, and then you go into another relationship, you carry that hurt and weight with you, and it will affect that relationship. There's no doubt about it. Any counselor, psychologist, psychotherapist will tell you that that will come out because it's in your hand, and it won't come out in a good way. Yeah. Because you will For carry sure. that into the next thing. So. So I, I don't say that we won't get those things, but we don't get to enjoy the fullness of what was got for us. I, you know, I, I remarried fairly soon after my first wife died, but I, I had to deal with all the things that were in my heart in order to fully enter into it. Now, it would have probably happened if I hadn't dealt with it, but I know my marriage wouldn't be where it is now if I hadn't have dealt with it. Yeah, for sure. And other things that have gone on since, because I, I would have those things still there. 
So, so yeah, I think in that in that sense, I, yeah, I think. So. I mean, and even in a given relationship that is still longstanding, there could be seasons in that relationship where weights were incurred, self-inflicted weights of maybe yeah. a lack of trust or, you know, something. It's not just for the big things, you know. Well, when somebody's died, I've got to lament, or I've lost my job, I've got to lament, or I'm going through a divorce, I've got to lament. But actually, as, as you say, we're east of Eden. We're not where we were, and actually, the skill of being able to do these things is really powerful. Because even just living life, having kids, having parents, having friends, having family, being married, having a partner—like these things—you know, we 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 experience these hurts all the time. And the more we develop the skill of it, the better we are to actually just not suffer under the weight of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, yeah, the things of life, you know, whatever they may be, work, you have a business, you have children, these things create multiple variables. And all of these variables have the potential, because we are east of Eden, to pick up <laughs> the, you know, the dust of this wasteland, if you will. Um, and we have to, we have to live clean. We have to process this stuff and detox yeah. and you know, Hebrews 12 says, you know, we have a race to run, but we have to lay aside these weights and sin, yeah. which so easily entangles yeah. us. And if you want to optimize and, and, in a sense, win the race you've been given to run, we all have a race. It's difficult carrying these shelves of these heavy weights you're referring to on our back. I I think this makes us faster. It makes us cleaner, more agile, more responsive, or more able to enter. Like even in a, let, let, let's say a marriage, um, enter into new seasons where you really are able now to reintroduce yourselves to each other because you've done some interior work and you've 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 detoxed from even self-inflicted earlier seasons, right? Or, or parenting a child or, or, or that yeah. business, you know, the, maybe that business starts, a business typically goes up, then it comes down and dips, it goes into a dip and then it comes to a plateau. And if you want it to grow again and begin to grow where it's never been before, there may be seasons in that business life that you have to deal with, you know, lament, I don't know, but I think it's a dynamic kingdom life skill, dynamic and needed and we're foolish if we don't acknowledge it if we think that you know we get into some kind of a positive faith response that just denies these realities and you know we have this this uh, yeah. triumphant mindset in Christ and we need to have that but let's be real let's live fuller spectrum reality of even how Jesus processed things i mean are we beyond him yeah. no i think this is wonderful um Adam, I, 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 we've just, uh, I think, skimmed mountaintops here. You do have a video course. Is the video course on your site? Your site is adamcarver.co.uk. Is your course on that site? Yes, if you go to that site, it's on there. Well, there's a link on there. It's all free, so there's a link on there to it, and uh, they're actually hosted on YouTube, but the easiest way to get to it is through my site. And um, yeah, so there's eight. Uh, sessions that are about 10 minutes long yeah um, you can do Mini it as course. an individual in a small group there are, there are questions at the end as well to allow you to apply it and think about it so yep. we we did it um, did like a couple of sessions each week as a small group as a four-week small group course but um 
yeah, I wanted to put some questions up there as well to go, okay, just to get you thinking about it and help you process it. So that's there. It's all, yeah, it's all free on my, yeah. on my website. So I watched every minute of, of those videos and it's, it's well worth watching. They're only, as Adam says, maybe 10 minutes long. Each one, there's eight of them. So you could break it up and chunk it. And, you know, within 80 minutes or something, you could make it through that. I, I would predict that it will shift your perspective on it. It will, it will spark your thinking and probably make you want to dive into the, maybe a book of the Bible you never read before. <laughs> Lamentations, you know, <laughs> you probably haven't read yeah, Lamentations, yeah. you know, it's not that, it's not that, you know, it's not that book that, you know, you want to necessarily hang verses on your refrigerator in your kitchen or something, but it's real, <laughs> you know, it's real. And it's, it's, I, I, I tell you, these are baseline issues these are like headwater issues. If we if we get the baseline right, go up to the headwaters and do some work downstream from that, there can be some high leverage, high leverage. You may be positioned for a new relationship, maybe, right, Adam? You might be, you're, 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 you know, you might have an innovative idea or maybe your business comes into a new place or your career or what I like to call your kingdom career, which is really your career. Your kingdom career is your engagement with the body of Christ and bringing to the table your gift set and serving and, you know, helping each other and fighting for each other's dreams and, you know, pursuing a vision together. We need this resiliency. I'm, I'm thinking of the words, Adam, like we need to get gritty. You know, we need to have more grit. We need to get like mm-hmm. granular and, and, and raw, you know, let's get, Let's get raw and gritty. We don't have to do it necessarily. We, we don't have to be, become some big public spectacle about it. Much of this is done in the privacy of your um, own yeah. time with the Lord. And, um, but, and then with some trusted kingdom friends, I think there's some application too there. But um, yeah. yeah. Hey, Adam, would you pray about this? Would you give us a prayer covering over this and maybe just... Um, sort of initialize some some uh, some listeners who have ears to hear this right now they're ready to move on it could you could you give us some prayer cover on that yeah of course thank you jesus father we do we do want to thank you for your example lord as one who is fully human lord you know embrace life and new grief and new sadness and father i want to thank you for the reality that i know that you heal our hearts father yes you heal our bodies but you also heal our hearts and i want to thank you lord that you in this wonderful book of the Bible, expound a flow and expound a process, Lord, of what it might mean to learn to lament, to learn to give voice to that which is on the inside of us, to learn, as it says in Hebrews, you did through groans and intercession. And Father, we want to give you our hearts because we know, Lord, that we can't be the people we're called to be with heavy hearts. We can't enjoy all the fruit of you with heavy hearts. Mm. We can't be called to do the things we're meant to do in the fullness we're meant to do them with heavy hearts. Mm. So, Father, we ask, Lord, uh, and I ask particularly, Father, as people listen to this, perhaps as people have a look at the cast, Lord, that you would meet them and touch them in a special way, Father, as they dare, Lord, to have a look inside their own hearts, Father, as Martha dared to look inside the tomb, Lord. I pray for courage, Lord, courage. And I pray as well, Lord, that we'd, we'd understand, Lord, we can start with the small things. We don't have to start with the major things. We can start with the small things. Because yeah. you say, taste and see mm-hmm. that the Lord is good. And so, Father, I ask for courage and strength, Lord, um, that those of us who have caught this morning, Lord, might just see and that and that you would move on their behalf, Father, as they move towards you in this way, that you would move 
as you always do towards them, just as the Father in Luke 15 ran towards the Son, Father, that your Holy Spirit would run towards us as we learn and lament in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, we agree together, Lord, with that. And, um, you know, prayer or faith is movement. You know, mm. action, action, action. Faith without works is dead, James says. Uh, faith is courageous, but we're given courage by the Lord. We can strengthen ourselves in the Lord, right, Adam? And yeah. um, you're going to feel good, my friend. <clears throat> if there's some edge you need to move on on this, small, medium, or big, you're going to feel better as soon as you begin to move on it, right? Yeah, that's true. Adam, yeah. Adam, what do you do? You you like to write. You would probably advocate <clears throat> writing for like putting like in yeah. your journal, maybe, or in your app, um, articulating and writing down uh, things and, and right. Um, other other people might like other mediums too. Perhaps maybe they give expression in art or or dance or some other expression, but. I think writing can work good for a lot of people, and research has shown that just writing things down is so beneficial psychologically. Um, yes, that's right. So that's what that's how you approach it, right? You you journal, and then yeah. And, so <clears throat> yeah, so I would literally have a a, a, a physical journal and a pen because uh, I find it quite cathartic. I mean, I enjoy writing anyway, but I find it quite cathartic. I do very little with a pen and paper these days, as most yeah. people do, but. But I actually have a, a discipline now. Every week I go sit in a coffee shop and I write in my journals. So every week, I, I and, and a lot of that process is just, hey, what's in my heart? What am I feeling? What am I sensing? What's pained me? What's grieved me? So I literally do this every week now as a, as a kind of, and it's a, and if I don't do it, I, I realize it. If I miss a week, I'm like, oh, I, this is not good for me. Because, I, you know, I, I suppose in many ways it's the whole thing, you know, I keep short accounts with God and all that. Yeah, yeah. And you go, okay, well, well, I want to keep my heart pure. You know, I mean, Proverbs is, um, you know, Proverbs says, guard your heart. Yeah. For from it flow right. all, everything you do. And, and so for me, this is about guarding the heart. I mean, it's actual commanding Proverbs to guard your heart because from it flow the issues of life. So, so for me, I like every week, I'm like, okay, what, what's going on in my heart? What am I carrying? What do I need to share with Jesus? What do I need to tell him about? Or, you know, is there anybody I need to, Say sorry to us, and I just allowed Jesus to speak to me. And it's taken me a while to get to that point um, of, of practicing and, and going for it. But for me, it's writing. For my wife, she will write songs. So particularly, she'll just sit at a piano and play, and just sing and tell Jesus about it. Sometimes she'll actually write an actual whole song mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. what she's done. That a couple yeah. of times, I yeah. know. Um, you know, some people will draw, some people write yeah. poetry, yeah, some yeah. people will sing, some people will go out in the moors in the middle of nowhere and shout and scream and you know there's no kind of you know there's no right way of doing it other than like just do it you know what I mean like you know uh but you're right and, and a lot of just just psychologically wise the idea of getting it out there is the first step but however you do it there do is it. something about getting it out of you yep. that, that is helpful. You know, just forget biblically, psychologically, it, it's proven to be hugely helpful. Yes, absolutely. Push it, squeeze it out, squeeze it out through the tip of your pen or or pound it out through your keyboard. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I think writing can work for a lot of people. And there are some, like you say, art, music, uh, drawing. I, we have a daughter like that is very kinetic and very much drawing. I mean, she's an excellent drawler. You know, I'm a writer at heart. I could see myself getting into some spirit inspired um, 
primal scream therapy out in the woods. <laughs> I really could. <laughs> I could see myself doing that. If I could find some woods that were dis- distant enough from any, um, any, 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 any residences, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very blessed because I live very near some kind of open moorland. So uh, I, I enjoy going up there. And it's not really a thing I often do, but I know for a few people it's like, well, I'm fine now. I've just yelled and screamed at God in the woods for an hour or something. Whatever, whatever it takes. You probably come back as a new man. Your wife probably looks at you and yeah, says, what yeah. happened to you? You look good, man. Yeah. Uh, I've just I've just been out in the woods, man. That's, that's where I go. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I really appreciate this, Adam. I don't want to embarrass you publicly, but I think you need to write about this. <laughs> I don't know. You need to blog about it, write about it blog a book out. I don't know what you, what, how the Lord may lead you, but however he leads you. But I, I, I think that it is a needed, um, a needed message and the Lord seems to have given you articulation with it. And it's, you know, it's forged in a laboratory of life and, and pastoral ministry with others, right? Conversations yeah. with people in the kingdom and, um, wonderful. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Appreciate it. And tell you, tell your lovely wife, hello. Okay. I will. All right. Love that talk to you, Brian. Thank you. Father, we engage your presence and your principles and your power through prayer. We interface with you through conversation. We ask in Jesus' name on his merits, we come before you and we ask that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to apply this spiritual practice of lamenting. Even if circumstances and life forces us to lament, and it's really not a just a decision that we make, we're forced to do it. We welcome the gift of it. We pray that you would grant the grace of a thorough and deep lamenting, if necessary, that you would grant us the grace of a deep and clear repentance. And we look forward to the outcomes. We look forward to going through the hard things to get to the best things. The best things, Father, are on the other side of discomfort and the hard things. And we thank you that you comfort us with your Holy Spirit through the process. There is grace. There is grace to sustain us and strengthen us through the process. We receive the flow of that grace through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Faith is movement. It's always in the application. We can hear a truth, but if we unite it with faith in our heart and move on it, get our heart moving on it and get the practice of our life moving on it, that's where the blessing is. That's where the fruit is. Again, the show notes page, jesusmart.com for this episode slash 257. You can hear both parts there, one and two links to take things a little further, some scriptures I think you'll find interesting. I encourage you to visit Adam's website at adamcarver.co.co.uk. You can link through to the short free video course he's talking about, and you can also access his uh, brand new book there as well. Hey, I also encourage you, if you'd be interested, I have an, an, an episode called Adam, no pun intended, but Adam, where are you? It happens to be episode 255, Jesus questing for lost humanity via us, calling them back to himself and to the place of restoration of a vice regency under under God as king. Also, another episode that's uh, received a lot of play 
It's called Emerging Voices. Here's what they're saying, episode 252. We have, I think, 13 voices there just briefly sharing audio snippets of what they feel the Lord is telling them these days, what they're experiencing, how the Lord is leading them. And it's very dynamic, Christ followers together and let them start talking to one another in a circle. And that's sort of what we did on this episode. Well, thank you for passing this episode along to your friends and contacts. I think they need it. I'm going to say they need it. Really consider passing it along. The future belongs to Jesus. So does the now. He's absolutely brilliant. And as we continue to walk with him, we are going to catch that brilliance in a unique way and manifestly express it in our lives and position ourselves well for the new heavens and new earth to come. Catch you next time.